Welcome to Kevin Harvick's Happy Hour presented by NASCAR on Fox. And today I'm here all by myself. No Mamba, no Caitlin, so I have no help. I'm out on an island all by myself. But today we're going to go through an interview that I did with Kyle Busch. And when I look back at this interview, I think to myself, man, what in the world am I going to ask Kyle Busch? And then I started writing things down and I realized I have everything to ask Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch and I banged head for, gosh, it seems like 15 15 years. I'm a lot older than Kyle, but we had an intense rivalry, rivalry, whether it was in trucks, cup, Xfinity, whatever it was, we just, we wound up not liking each other. And as we went through the years, Kyle and I kind of got over that a little bit and were able to uh, get to know each other a little bit better. And I believe that it made this interview a heck of a lot easier, but uh, Kyle was great. He was um, my first interview that I've done since I worked at NASCAR uh, with, with Fox and when I listened to the interview, it is very similar to everything that, that Kyle did while he, while he was in Daytona. He was calm, cool, collected, gave great answers, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Well, hey. Well, this is weird. <laughs> Just a little. It's It'll not, make it more awkward than it needs it, to be. It's not, it's not that weird. I, I feel like um, this, would be, this was a good test for my first interview to, yeah. to, to see if I could actually um, figure out what I was supposed to be doing. So. I appreciate you letting me break you in. Well, I appreciate you doing it, but it's, it's, um, I think for, for me, it's, it's one of the things that I'm most excited about sitting in the booth with you is being able to watch you compete as a driver. Okay. Because of the fact that we spent so many years just banging heads, right? Uh, We spent time, we spent money, we spent effort, but it's still one of the favorite things that I ever got to do in this sport uh, was to compete against you and your team. And it, I think it brought the best out in, in the things that I did yeah. and the worst at, at times for all of but us. But I, I think for, for me, being able to to sit in the booth and be able to watch you do what you do, because I don't think you get enough credit for what you do with the race cars, the things that happen inside the race cars, the communication that you give back to the team. And I think for, for me, that's that's one of the things that I'm I'm looking forward to to watching in the booth. And, and I think as we, as we go into all this, what's the difference between what you did at JGR, what is happening at RCR and how you can interact with the team and the things that you do uh, with RCR that are different than JGR, because I think you bring a lot to the table. Yeah. I think both organizations are obviously different. They have their different ways and their different tendencies of things and what they do. Um, I would say what's the difference between me and what I'm doing. Um, you know, when I joined JGR, I was off of three years of being with Hendrick. So seeing Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson and the success that they were having, I was jealous. Like I was only winning once or twice a year. They were winning six to 10 times a year. And it was like, what am I doing wrong? Why can't I be like those guys right now in my yeah. first three years of cup racing? Um, so I kind of took a backseat at JGR and was just kind of like, floating around, listening, like doing all that, even though we were successful winning races with all the different crew chiefs that I had over there. Um, we're now moving over to, to RCR, being in the sport for 20 years, going on 20 years. Um, I feel like I have a good sense of direction of what needs to happen, what should take place, how things could be structured and organized and all of that. Also from owning a race team, right? From having right. KBM for 12 years that we had that going. So there's a lot of that happening kind of behind the scenes. Um, I would say still, though, at the racetrack, wanting to be that same guy, wanting to go out there and win and compete and, and do it at the best of my ability and the best of the team's ability. And fortunately, we were able to win three races at RCR in my first year, which was great. Um, 
definitely cooled off towards the end of the year. So we want to fix that and not let that happen again. So I've changed teams and I've been a part of new things. And I know that everybody gets excited about that change when they go into a team and you have all this enthusiasm and emotion. And, and sometimes it's hard to, to carry that through the year. So you, you won a few races at, at the beginning of last year. And, and like you said, kind of tapered off at the end. Do you think that was something that you guys just didn't keep up with the progression? Or what, what do you need to do to keep that first six months into the into the last part of the season? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, joining RCR, I was excited about it because of the new car and the success that they had with Reddick the year before. They had won races. And so um, we kind of carried into that and we were able to be fast right out of the gate, winning at Fontana, Talladega. We won, right? But it's Talladega. Yeah. And then uh, we obviously were really good at Gateway. We were able to win there as well. So to me, why did we cool off? I, I think a little bit was just, I think the rest of the team's kind of caught up. Um, I think there were some things that we were doing um, behind the scenes that NASCAR got onto that then, Typical. You know, Happens typical, every right? year. Yeah. You know, hey, don't bring that back. Or, That's hey, right. we don't like what you're doing there. We're going to keep an eye on that. And so just stuff like that. So we kind of lost in that. And we didn't really find any other advantages that we could re-step up, if you will. Um, but that's no excuse. I mean, there were some good runs that we had late in the year, Michigan. We were really fast. I crashed under Blaney and then Texas. We were really fast. We drove up towards the front of the field on that one. And then I spun out getting into one on my own, you know, so just dumb stuff happening that kind of took us out with some pretty good cars. Has Richard put his arm around you yet and said, take what this car will give you? No, but I've said it enough on my own okay. that I know. So he must not have put his arm around me because he hears me saying it. So yeah. he knows I know. Um, but it's, it's, yes, I, I can see that as a, as a moment in which could come, but I think Richard has enough respect for me that I've been here for so long, been successful in what I've done that I don't know if he's just letting me learn on my own, which you would think I don't need to learn anymore, but with these new cars are just different. I, I think, I think one thing for me that was always intriguing about RCR and, and the times that I was there and the things that I loved about RCR were how involved Richard actually lets you get in everything. Mm -hmm. And I always thought that, and I still tell people today, Richard is the best teacher that you could possibly have in NASCAR because he teaches you about relationships. He has the, he can pick up the phone and call anybody in the sport. He doesn't want to overspend. He doesn't want to crash, but he will allow you to crash if you're going to win. Yeah. And, and the, the, he is going to, fight for you to the very end yeah. as, as his driver. So, well, I been... remember those years in being in the 18 car and us racing against each other and things like that. And years where you weren't the best team or the best car or whatever, or won a lot of races, but you were there at the end all the right. time, you know, finishing, That's fourth, him. finishing, That's seventh, finishing 12th, just finishing, you know? And so my MO is kill all the time. Yeah go win, 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 you know, and settling for a 10th or an 11th or whatever is just not my MJ, my MO. And it's hard for me to take that step back. What is your take on, you, you said you won at Talladega. I know the Speedway races are, are places that, you, that you've won in the past. And as we go into, you know, the Daytona 500 and, and you saw the preparation that, that Richard and RCR put into the Daytona 500. For me, it was always something that was way over the top for, for one particular race, but the speedway races in general, you, you talk about winning at Talladega. And, and I think as, as you, as you've gone through your first year at RCR, did, did you see that extra preparation still at RCR for the super speedway races? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Last year. Yeah. They, 
there there was a a big push on the speedway cars obviously and being good and you want to go down there and you want to qualify well you know but qualifying we know doesn't really matter unless you're on the front row um but there was still the you know we were in the wind tunnel we had a, a wind tunnel test that's all limited this day and age but we did take one of our wind tunnel tests for the daytona car and we ran it through and just the fluff and buff and the everything that was going into that car and that car was was good like it was fast that first car that i had and then i got crashed in the duel oh yeah and got set back you know to to the backup car so they you, there is a reason why there's a primary car and a backup car right yeah and so um the backup wasn't quite as good but it was still good and we almost won we we actually did win mile marker 500 but it was under yellow so um yeah just a lot of preparation and everything goes into the daytona 500 i would imagine from every team but um, with Richard and and what that means for him and Team Chevy and everybody there, they they put a lot to it. So when you when you look at the Daytona 500 and and you see the way that you have to race with this particular car, it's a different style of racing. Yeah. A lot of a lot of two lane bumping and shoving. And um, what do you think about all the the team racing? I call it team racing with it with the manufacturer manufacturer racing. Yeah, and and you mentioned it with with Toyota. Obviously, that started a several years ago with yeah. probably more with Ford than it did with anybody else. Toyota had a small amount of cars. So, I mean, when do you pull that trigger now being through what you've been through and, and knowing that you have to put yourself in that last stop there, there is a lot of pressure from the manufacturers. What do you, what do you think about? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you go into these pre-race meetings and you hear about helping each other and, and taking care of each other and, and trying to leave a gap and let the guy in if he's hung out to dry or whatever, all this stuff, you know, but when it comes down to the end, it, like the question at JGR was always like, okay, when are we allowed to just race it out? Right. And was it 10 to go? Was it five to go? Was it on the final restart? Well, how do you know when the final restart is? So there was just so many unknowns or misconceptions of the rule that we had there. Um, but last year, I, I give credit where credit's due with Austin. I mean, he was wingman the whole way through, yeah, through good. and through. He was going to be wingman, you know? So um, he was doing everything and anything possible to make sure that the eight car was out front leading the race. And we were in a prime position to be able to, to win that thing and finish one, two. And um, they just, you know, caution come out. It just didn't happen. I think we were 200 yards from the start finish line and taking the white flag and Man, it just didn't happen. So close. When you went to RCR, I think through the years, there's been a lot of talk of oh, everybody hates Kyle. Nobody likes this. Nobody likes that. They don't like this. And then you go to RCR and that, that seems to change a little bit. I think from the, from the fan side, I think, as you've matured and, and things have changed and, and gone through your career and been so successful, but does it feel different now that you're at RCR compared to when you were at Gibbs? Or um, yes, I, yes, it does feel different for sure. I would say that there was probably more pressure put on myself from the fact of, okay, I'm at JGR. So one of the top tier teams of our sport, um, arguably the best. And so there's that pressure to go out there and win and do well and execute and do everything that you need to do. And so when you don't do those things or you do finish second, it's like you're giving away missed opportunities of scoring wins because it you should win. Right. You know, and that changed a little bit going to RCR because, you know, being with the racers racer at RCR, all those guys that are there, everybody that works there from top to bottom, you know, they they love racing. They want to go race and they want to win. And I do, too. Um, but I feel like we're not really expected to be the dominant force in mm -hmm. the series. Um, and so on those days where I run sixth or I run second, it's a little bit more acceptable maybe because 
I'm not putting as much pressure on myself that I have to win right. and prove that that stuff is the best stuff, you know? So taking those, those wins when they come is more special. You know, I feel like Fontana, for instance, I was like, damn, man, we just beat all these guys in my second race out. We're going to win 10 times this year, you know? So, um, but it, it put me right back in that frame of mind of like, anywhere you go, you can get the job done. It's just the nature of everybody around you and pulling the weight the same way. That's what makes you good though. That the fact that, that you worry about all these things and the, and the things that you talk about now makes me happy because yeah. of the fact that you've won 60, 60 some races yeah. and you're still worried about all the little details that come with the sport and winning. And to me, I sit here and listen, I'm like, you should be okay with finishing fifth or sixth now. I think that's probably the difference between <laughs> 10 years ago, right? When you finish. If I lead the most laps and finish fifth, I'm still going to be pissed. You're still going to be pissed, but <laughs> yeah. you can control it a lot better than you used to, correct? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and because I feel like when you when you have all these rivalries and all these enemies, that it takes energy. It takes energy away from you and what you do. And because the next week, you got to show up and answer all the questions. Right. And now you're, you should be in a comfortable spot. You've, you've won enough races, by the way, that you should be in a pretty pretty comfortable spot to know that you just got to do play your role and you're going to get to where you need to be. But I think it's, um, I think it's, I think it's, it's very interesting to, to just sit back and, and watch all the things that happen with different guys at different stages of your career. And, and so um, you think it helps any that, that Denny Hamlin is actively promoting the fact that he wants to be the most hated guy. Does that take <laughs> a little bit of pressure off of you? It does. It does. It, it, it I think it swung, that way a lot faster because pretty fast right yeah pretty darn fast it was it was i mean i've i've had fans come up to me all the all the time of like hey man we love you being with richard this is great like you're the racers racer of today and you're the only one left and blah 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 that stuff this is i guess now after you're gone um <laughs> but you know the other fact too of just fans being like man you're back in a chevy we love you in a chevy and all this sort of stuff so i'm like okay you know this is this is good i'm gonna i'm gonna be okay uh i can run with this and and the fan perception and reaction and Rowdy Nation's always been great. I've got so yeah. many fans of mine that, that I've known over the years and I'm we're on a first name basis when I see him in autograph sessions. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, that's always really, really cool. But Denny has has taken the uh, the torch and has turned the flame up on He's it. sprinting with it. Yeah. He yeah. is sprinting with that torch, I trying know. to get as many places as he can as quick as he can. But it was that a surprise to you? Because, I, I you know, when I sit back and watch, I think about, a lot of the really popular dominant drivers, they drive Chevrolets and, and their popularity almost comes with the brand. Yeah. And then you look at a guy like Richard Childress and, and he just has this, um, he has this following of people and this trust with the race fans right. that had to help with, with everything that you're going through, but no question. All, I think all of it did. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think it's just, it's just fascinating to me to, to sit back and watch how that perception of somebody can change so quick. The only other thing about that though, is a lot of the good, a lot of the great drivers, right? Earnhardt, for instance, or Jeff Gordon, or Dale Jarrett, or Mark, Mark, I guess Mark doesn't apply. Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, they do. Yeah. They get a lot of booze, right? They win too much. They get a lot of booze. And then towards the end of their careers, they don't really win as much. So the cheers kind of start coming. People start realizing like, okay, they're getting towards the end of the road. We might pull for him now. Yeah. He's okay. So maybe that means I'm getting to the end of the road. So I don't know. I think you've got a, how old are you now? 38. 38. So... You've been here a long time, though. Yes, twentieth year this year. Yeah, I, I think that's um, that's a journey, bud. I know, 
And right. I think, I mean, how long do you think you'll drive? Um, I, I mean, could, I know it changes, and I hate to put you on the spot. Yeah, but. I mean, if I think about it, you know, Brexton turns 16 in eight years. So eight years, it'll put me around 45. So that's kind of what I'm hoping for. I hope I can make it that long. Uh, as long as health is good and everything's good, then yeah. So you go back. Let's let's go back to the clash okay. last weekend. You look at that. I mean, before the race, we're like eight car bad to the bone here last year. Going to be good. Practice was good. Qualified, qualified good. Ran up front all night. Do you look back at the at the last restart and say, I should have done this, this or this different? Or do you look back and just say, it's the clash. We were in the game. Yeah. And it was it was a good start to the season. I look back at it and I think that it was a clash. It was a good start to the season. We ran competitive the whole race. Um, we, I did not have enough. Like, even if I go back and try to rerun it over again, like I didn't have enough in the car on the drive off of the, of the corners to accelerate, to get or stay close enough to Danny to then be able to hit him or make a move or something like that, you know? So, um, yeah, that I wished I did. I wish I had a little bit more forward drive because my entry and center was really, really good. Way better than the 11s when he was locking up and sliding out, you know, but I did not have enough. Where he was good, I wasn't, and vice versa. Did you ever feel like you could get beat that bad in one card game in four hours? <laughs> yeah, kidding. the flight home. Yeah, that was uh, that was ugly. <laughs> Rummy. Kyle's <laughs> rules at Rummy, man. That Kyle's was, rules. It was bad. It was For all of us, it was bad. So you get right to the last lap, lead mile 500, and it all doesn't work out in the end. Yeah. How, how long does it take you to get over that? And, and do you just move on from it quickly? And do you think about it the next year when you come back? Or is it over and you just try to learn from it and move on? I would say, no, that, that, that one probably stung the worst. Um, just thinking, because I even said it over the radio. Like I was like, if this was 1998, when Dale won, yeah. I would have won. Like the race was over. We come back around the next time and it's yellow and checker, you know? So that hurts because I can always in my own mind, in my own crazy mind, I can always have an asterisk that I did win, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't have the trophy. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it dwells on you for a little bit, but you're automatically, our sport moves so fast. You're automatically into the next week and going and racing for the next, next trophy there, you know, and that's what we did last year. So going to Fontana and being able to score the win there. But um, yeah, I mean, if I had stings. to do it over, it's it stings. It stings a yeah. lot, right? If I had to do it over again, would I change anything? There were a couple things last year that we would probably change. You know, um, Austin and I separated ourselves to take control, or no, we stayed in line with each other to stay together, so we could help each other to be able to take the lane and lead the lane. But the other lane became more powerful than our lane, so we, we should have controlled. On that we should have controlled both lanes. Yeah. So either of us had a shot. That's what we should have done. Um, but we'll see what happens. Make that scenario happen again. Look, if I'm coming around and, and leading the race towards the end of the race, I don't know how many opportunities you really get to do that each and every year to be in position right. to win it. But at least one of these days, it's got to fall my way, right? Yes, it's it's a matter of survival and all the chips fall in your way. Yeah. It's like the year I won. We came from 32nd. We thought we had no chance. And then you come back and win the thing. And I yep. think back to the years that, man, we could have won that one. We should have won that one. Or we should have won that one. And it just... It's all those crazy, chaotic moments that happen right. at the Daytona 500. Exactly. Just, it, everybody's going for it, and, and it always seems like something crazy happens. Expect the unexpected. That's right. So you've obviously had a long time storied history of being at Daytona Racing, right? 
now you're not racing. Now you're in the booth watching the race, calling the race. Well, you guys set me up. He's are asking you? the questions. I am. I, yeah. I had a question for you. So, like, are you going to have a serious case of FOMO, too? I don't think so. I, and I think I think you'll get to this point that I'm at, and, and that is being say, saying, I'm going to get out of the car at this particular time. And it gave me such closure to be able to say, that's it. And we planned everything, got out of the car, perfectly happy with it. I can tell you that for, for me, being able to look around and not walk in that racetrack with that competitive mindset that you know so much about, you just have never experienced yeah. getting out of it yet. Right. But going through the winter and being able to look and see the things that are happening in our sport and look down at that crowd and seeing those cars come to the green flag, yeah. I truly am excited about and, and, and feel, I don't feel like I'll, I'll have any FOMO. I, I feel like I feel like I just I closed that chapter of the book and, and we're very I was very fortunate to be able to do it on my terms yeah. at, on my time. Well, knowing how dedicated you are at anything that you probably do. Yeah, you probably are still doing your work behind the scenes and being ready for the new job that you're in. And you're, gonna, and you're I, not just going to you're not just going to show I, up. I prepared this for you today, Kyle. I, so, I can't even read that. I don't want to be I don't. I those glasses must be really good. I didn't I didn't use it that much, but. I don't want to be unprepared and, and I feel like that's, that's something that I've always been yeah. good at in the car. I may not be the fastest guy, but I'm going to be pretty well prepared. And, and right. I think um, I'm going to approach this the same way. So there you go. I'm not going to miss out. All right, I'm going to call a I'm good gonna, one. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview. That was um, definitely a, a good one to get out of the way first. Uh, Kyle was great and, and we appreciated him taking the time to be able to uh, sit down with uh, myself and everybody from Fox to to do that interview. interview. So uh, next week, I'll have my help back. Uh, I'm still tearing off my rookie stripe here. I don't get to tear off my rookie stripe yet. I still got it on. Caitlin's usually the head of the show and Mama Smith, but they'll be back next week. And uh, you can listen to us anywhere that you get your podcast on YouTube uh, or anywhere else that, that you take in podcasts. So thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.